Good morning. Let's, uh, let's stand together. And let's, uh, let's sing this song just to be thankful for the great country that God gave us. We are such a blessed people uh, to be able to, uh, to live in this country with the freedoms we have. So let's sing this song, God Bless the USA. Tomorrow all the things were gone I'd work for all my life I'll get here in a second And I had to start again Just my children and my wife Thank my heavenly Father To be living here today Cause the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away take this opportunity to welcome you here this morning uh, on this 4th of July weekend. We're glad that you're, you're here. 
Um, Dr. Cox uh, is out on vacation, as well as I think Jake is on vacation, and I think Tim is on mission trips, and and I think it's just Daniel and me. Anyway, so I'm it. So uh, normally I don't do all the, the talking and welcoming and stuff up here, but uh, today I'm going to do it. Uh, and if you're a visitor with us today, we're so glad that you're with us. Uh, and there's a card, a little guest card in the pew rack in front of you. And we would love for you to fill that out and give us some information about yourself. We won't abuse that information. That's just so that we know how to pray for you, how to to minister to you and your family. That just helps us to, to do our job, to, to, to be what we can be for you, Lord. Uh, Lord, I'm already in my prayer. Uh, so, um, uh, so, yeah, fill out that card. And at the end of the service, if you'll take that card up the, up the uh, ramp here to the visitor center and you'll hand them that card, we have a special uh, present, a special gift for all of our first-time visitors so we, uh, we just look forward to getting to know you better. This morning as we are celebrating the 4th of July weekend, I would just like to pray a prayer that, um, I love this prayer, it's, it, it was written by David Jeremiah, and uh, I want to just, let's just bow our heads and let's pray this prayer for our country. Let's pray. Almighty God, in all history, there has been only one nation like America, founded by pilgrims seeking freedom to worship, established on a vast continent between two oceans, dedicated to the proposition that we are created equal and endowed by our Creator for certain unalienable rights. One nation under God. You have delivered us in war, prospered us in peace, and raised up generations willing to offer the last full measure of devotion for the preservation of liberty at home and abroad. We have been a light for the world. From our shores has gone the greatest missionary force in history. But now, Lord, America has fallen into darkness, disobedience, and indifference. We have sinned. And we, your people, Lord, humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways. Please, please, please forgive us for our sin and heal our land. Oh, Lord, give us leaders who understand the times and know what we should do. May the torch of liberty burn brightly inflamed by the goodness of your people. God, bless America. In Jesus' name, amen. From the highest of heights to the depth of the sea,
I thank you, Jesus, for the blood of Christ. Thank you so much, Lord.
Jesus. You are worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our songs. Today, Lord, we come before you just saying you are indescribable. All the words we can think to say about you are just fall short. And so, Lord, this morning we, we pray that our spirit will be one with your spirit so that we can express how much we love you and how grateful we are to you. Lord, I pray right now as Matt comes and brings us the message that you'll open our ears, open our hearts to hear from you, Lord, today. That you'll be with Matt, just fill him with your Holy Spirit and speak words through him, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Welcome. Yeah, thanks, man. How are you? Well, good morning. Um, as you can tell, I am not Dr. Cox. So, or Tim or Jake. More hair, more hair yeah. A few years younger, a few more pounds. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, welcome. Uh, for, I know I know a lot of you, but for those who don't know me, my name is Matt Rossman. Uh, my family and I um, are members here at First Baptist Church. Uh, we go to the second service. So people all the time ask me, they're like, hey, do you know so-and-so at First Baptist? I'm like, nope, because I don't go to their service. <laughs> um, we go to the second service. Uh, my wife and I, we've been married for 18 years. She is on a youth mission trip today, coming back from Ohio with my daughter, who is 16, and my son, Levi, is 12. So a um, little bit about me. I worked in youth ministry for eight years, uh, some of those years here in town at Trinity Baptist, and uh, some other years in North Carolina. And now I work for a missionary agency called Sand International, and I work to send missionaries all over the world. Uh, so that's my primary job. Love it. Um, I also coach cross country and track at Coffee County High School. And before you look at like my belly and say, you coach runners. <laughs> yes, yes. Joke's on you. I learned many years ago after running thousands and thousands and thousands of miles, it's more fun to eat little Debbies and tell kids to run. So um, a couple of you are here. John, Holden, hey. <laughs> so yeah, that's a little bit about me. I'm excited to be here this morning. Uh, happy Fourth of July. So let me pray for us before we begin. Uh, Lord God, uh, we thank you for this opportunity to be here uh, this morning to open your word. Uh, Father, my prayer is, Lord, your word would not just inform us, but it would transform us. And uh, God, it would change us, that it wouldn't just be something that we hear and walk away from, but God, that we hear and do. And so, Father, we thank you for this opportunity, for the freedom uh, we have to be here. And uh, Lord, I just ask all this in your name. Amen. So, happy 4th of July. It's, 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 a, it's kind of a weird 4th of July. I remember growing up, I'm 42, so I grew up in the 80s. I was an 80s child. And American sentiment was out of the roof, right? I mean, think about the movies we watched. We watched Top Gun, Rocky IV, Red Dawn, right? Yes, my mom let us watch those movies. Um, we watched those movies. They were all about Go America, right? Uh, we sang songs like uh, God Bless the USA and, as, as the boss would say, Born in the USA, right? We sang those songs. And if you were like me, what did you do every single morning before class started at school? You said the Pledge of Allegiance, right? Yes. American sentiment was at an all-time high, at least in my life it was. Um, it was incredible. Like, we were the hope of the world. We were unstoppable, right? Like, Rocky beat the Russian, right? 
Top Gun, like one of my favorite movies ever. Um, incredible. And so here we are, 30, 35 years later, and it looks a little different, doesn't it? Like, we don't have that same sentiment. It's almost like we've done a complete 180. Um, there was, a, there was a, a poll that came out a couple days ago uh, that asked this simple question. Do you have pride in being an American? 39% of the people said yes. And I'm like, gosh. And before you're like, oh, there's some, you know, liberal, and it was Fox News who did the poll. 39% of people said, I'm proud to be an American. Now, that same poll was conducted in 2017. That number was 51%. The same poll was also conducted in 2011. It was 69%. So in 10, 11 years, basically, 30% less people um, have pride in being an American. And I think if we look at the events over the past few years, culminating with what happened in our country a couple weeks ago with the Roe versus Wade decision, like we have basically, it showed us there's a great divide in our country, right? I think we could all agree that there's a great divide. It almost seems like there's a faction of our country that, that hates America. And I think we can also all agree that it looks different than the America we grew up in, right? If, if you're a little older in here, like not a kid, but you're 30 and up, like it, it looks a little different than the America uh, we grew up in. And if you're like me, you've said it one time, or maybe a lot of times, man, this place, I just don't know, it's like, this is not my home. This is not my home. And in fact, if you've said that, let me assure you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have placed your faith and trust in him as your Lord and Savior, that's a true statement. That is a true statement. This is not your home. October 25th of 1997, I changed my allegiance. Did I still have an allegiance to America? Yes. But I, had, I became, I became uh, allegiant to a, a higher uh, calling. On that day, I placed my faith and trust as a freshman in college in Jesus. I asked him to be my Lord. And I was given his lordship in my life. I was given salvation um, from my sins. I was given the promise of heaven and eternity with him. And with that, I was given a new allegiance. It wasn't that, that, that my allegiance to America changed or um, it, it did change in somewhat, I guess, but it, it didn't like it just went away. What I just found out was at that moment that what the good old USA could offer wasn't what I really needed, right? It wasn't the thing I needed most in my life. And as followers of Christ, the Bible is very specific about that this place is not our home. Paul in Philippians 3.20 says, our citizenship is in heaven. Peter, in chapter 2, verse 11, tells us that we are exiles and we're sojourners here on earth. Uh, Hebrews tells us that we are longing for a city that is to come. So, with that being said, should we not root for the prosperity of our country? No, we should. We should most assuredly root for the prosperity of our country. Should we love where we're from and where we live? Yes, we should. Should we follow its laws? Sure. Should we be good citizens? Yes. Should we fight for the rights and freedoms that we have? Yes, we should. But at the end of the day, we have a higher allegiance as followers of Jesus than to America. 
So let's be honest for a moment. Is America perfect? No, it's not. It has its flaws. But I will tell you this, as I go the rest of this morning, I want you to understand this. I still believe it's the greatest country in this world. And it has given us all kinds of freedoms. Freedoms that you and I have today to worship. If you don't believe that, yes, I'm, a mission, I'm a missions coach. I can tell you stories from all over where people don't have this opportunity we have right now. I can tell you stories from all over the world in China where they're persecuted for their faith. In Africa where they're persecuted for their faith. And you and I, we have this opportunity to be here and to worship this morning. But what it does, it creates this scenario for us where we are both citizens of heaven and we're also citizens of America. And what it does, those collide together sometimes, right? They create a little bit of a tension, right? We have a higher allegiance um, to heaven, but that doesn't eradicate our allegiance to America either. Uh, But it should reshape it. It should definitely reshape it. So there's a tension. There's a tension that's created there. And my goal this morning is to try to resolve that tension. Like how do we, as followers of Jesus, citizens of heaven, live here as citizens of America? How do we do that well? So if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Titus chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 1 through 8. They'll be on the screen as well. Uh, I'm I'm in the ESV, so if that helps you to kind of know where I'm at. um. But yeah, so Titus is written by Paul to Titus. This is great. Titus is one of Paul's like pupils. He, he traveled with him on his missionary journeys. Um, and I think this is a perfect example of, of Paul's words to Titus and, and to these Cretan believers of how we are to live in a society that looks very different than our citizenship in heaven, right? And that's the same thing we have here on earth. So let's set up a little bit of context. Um, chapter 1, verse 5, Paul tells Titus that He left him there to put into order what was left unfinished and to appoint elders. So he's telling him, okay, I'm leaving you here to to continue this work, Titus. This work is not finished. These people, they're a rough people, right? So I need you to, like, stay here, appoint elders, get some leadership, get some structure, and and to continue the work that we began there. And what we see is, too, is this is This is a tough area. Verses 10 through 13, this is not going to be on the screen, sorry. Uh, In chapter 1, it says, um, For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain and what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. This was a rough place. Paul has left Titus in this really hard place to do ministry. And he's saying, hey, I want you to finish this work. I want you to finish this work that we started there. And so I think this is very similar to us here in America as well, right? Titus is being left in a place that is not his home, but he's been given a mission. We have been given a mission by God as well here on this earth, and more specifically here in America, right? This is our home temporarily, and this is the mission God has called us to. Um, So now we got a little bit of context. Let's go ahead 
and jump in and read verses 1 through 8 in chapter 3. This is what it says. It says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for all people. So instead of going verse by verse, uh, we're going to skip around a little bit uh, as we dig into them. But if you are a note taker, I think it's on the back of your bulletin as well, uh, we're going to divide this into four categories. Uh, the first one is our problem. Uh, the second one is God's provision. The third one is God's promise. And the fourth one is our response. How are we to respond? So let's look at the first one, our problem. If you go to verse 3, it says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Right? And so Paul is, is, is writing to, to Titus and to these, these believers there, and he's saying, look, you were once these things. You were once these things. You were not always as you are now. These things were true of you at one time. This all describes you without Christ. Church, this morning, that describes all of us without Christ. We were those things. May we never forget that. May we always be reminded of that, that prior to Christ, this is who we are. And I think it's easy. Why is that important for us to remember? Because it's easy for us to look at culture and to look at our world sometimes and say, I don't want any part of that. I'm not like that. I can't imagine living that way. I can't imagine doing the things they're doing. Okay. Let's back up for a moment. Maybe you didn't do some of those same things. Maybe I didn't do some of those same things. But we all had the same problem. We had a sin problem. Right? We were sin. We were dead in our trespasses, the Bible says. Right? We all had that same problem before Christ. And we can't constantly, guys, be frustrated we can't constantly be frustrated and anxious about a society that is enamored with sin. Because guess what? They're just acting out of their own heart. This is what they know. They're without Christ. We were once without Christ. We were once doing the same things. It's kind of like a drug addict looking, a former drug addict looking at, a, at a, a current drug addict and saying, I can't believe you're living your life that way. Or someone who's lost a ton of weight looking at somebody who is overweight with an attitude of, like, I'm better than you. Right? We can't do that. We were once those people. Just like we had a sin problem, so does the rest of society. And this is what Paul is laying out to these believers. He's saying, now look, 
you have to remember where you came from. You have to remember that. It's important because you were the same people. But I love verse 4. We're going to see God's provision here. And I think this is, when you see the word but in the Bible, I think it's important to see, like, what, what comes after that. So he says, we were all those things. But in verse 4, it says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Notice, God did that. You and I didn't do that. You and I didn't look at ourselves and be like, man, we're bad people. We have a sin problem. I need a change. No, God did that. God initiated. I want you to, to read those verses, everything that God did, okay? Um, when we were in that place described in chapter 3, it says this, the emphasis, of God, okay? The loving kindness of God, our Savior appeared. He saved us, not because of our works or because of our righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, he poured through Jesus by his grace. Okay, you and I had nothing to do with that except to accept it. <laughs> we had nothing to do with that except to say, yeah, I need that. God initiated that. When we were in that place in verse 3, God initiated that. Romans 5, 8, when we were still sinners, God sent Christ Jesus for us, right? Christ Jesus came for us. God initiated all that. That is his provision for you and for me. This is his provision, Paul is saying to these believers or to these people in Crete. This is the same provision that he provided you. He wants to provide for these other people. The same provision that God provided you and me, he wants to provide to these people out here in our culture. When we walk out these doors, it's the same thing. He wants to provide that for all of us. Not only that, look at his promise in verse 7. This is an incredible thing that not only did he save us from something, he saved us to something. Verse 7, it says, So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We, he makes, makes us this promise that we will be justified, that we will be made right, and that we'll be made heirs, co-heirs with Christ. What does that mean? That we can relate to God just as Jesus does. We now have that promise. Co-heirs, everything God owns is ours. This promise of heaven, this hope for eternity, it is ours. And when we read verses, when we read verse 3, who we were, verses 4 through 7 should dumbfound us. It should blow us away, right? When we read the kind of people we were, it should blow us away that God loved us so much and was so rich in mercy that he would do this for us. Not only that he would save us, but God, he would give us this promise of being justified and co-heirs with Christ. I have a good old, I have a buddy, he's an old country boy. I mean, he's like, you can hear, understand like every fourth word he says. He always, he'd always say, if that doesn't get you, if that doesn't light your fire, then your wood's wet. Right? That's so true. Right? Verses 4 through 7 should dumbfound us after we read verse 3. But that's what God did for you and me. So in these five verses here, we've seen that we have a problem. A problem that you and I could not solve. 
we see that God initiated um, and, and, and came after us and sought after us. He provided a solution to our problem. And not only that, he offered us an eternal hope. And he offered us this promise to be heirs with Christ. Now, that that's true, what should our response be? What should our response be now? That God has done that for us. Good works don't produce faith. Faith produces good works. Right? Faith produces good works. So what should our response be? This is where we jump back around a little bit. And why is this important? Because the world is watching. The world is watching you and me as followers of Jesus. And they want to say, how do they respond? You want to know how I know that? Because it's true of me. I grew up in a church. I went every single Sunday from birth to age 18. You know what it meant to me? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You know what did mean something to me? Pushing buggies in a Kmart parking lot with a, a guy who was a follower of Christ whose life looked remarkably different than mine, and it was, some, it was something that I wanted. I said, you have something I don't have, and I want it. I was watching his life. I watched his life for two years. As a freshman in college, I accepted Christ as my Savior. There is a world out there that is watching you and I as believers of Jesus. And they're saying, how are you responding? And as our times get crazier and crazier every day, they're watching even more. Because they don't have a hope to hold on to, and we do. And they're saying, is that hope that you're holding on to, is it worth it? Can I trust it? How are you responding? So let's look at what Paul says to, to Titus and these Christian believers in verses 1 and 2. As citizens of heaven, I think this is a perfect way as how we are to respond as citizens here on earth. He says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle. We'll skip down to verse 8. It says, the saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things. So that um, those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. So let's look at those things real quick. The first thing, be submissive to rulers and authorities. Show humility and respect for those in authority. We should pray for our leaders. Even if you don't like them, pray for them. They are authority. God has instituted them. God has allowed them to be our leaders. Pray for them. Even if you don't like them, pray for them. Respect your boss. Kids, submit to your parents' authority in your life. Right? People are watching. How do we respond? When, when, when we riot and act the fool against authority, people are watching and be like, that's not what their Bible says. We should respect with a humble attitude our rulers and be submissive to our rulers and authorities. It says to be obedient. What's that mean? Follow our laws. Pay your taxes. <laughs> Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, as Jesus would say, right? Be obedient. Be a good citizen. Just follow what you're supposed to, just do what you're supposed to do. Three, to be ready for every good work. We're not to be passive as followers of Jesus. In fact, not only are we not to be passive, we should be the first to jump in when we see a need. When there is a need in our world, we should be the very first people to jump in. We should be the first people to volunteer. 
We should be the first person to help our neighbor, to help our coworker. We should be the very first. And guys, right now, with a week and a half ago, a week ago, with the ruling of Roe versus Wade, what an opportunity for believers all over to step in and say, I'm here to help. I'm here to do good works. I know what God has done for me. And because of my faith, it is asking me to do good works, and I'm here. What can I do? We can, how can we begin to support young mothers who are in a, a hard situation? How do we say, I'm here, I want to see life flourish, I'm here to help? What an opportunity we have as a church, guys. This is the greatest opportunity we've had as a church in the last 50 years. Are we going to step up? It is time. Be ready for every good work. Four, it says, speak evil of no one. We're going to lump these together. Speak evil of no one. Avoid quarreling. Be gentle. That should be distinctly true of us as followers of Jesus, right? We have the fruit of the Spirit. Ooh, my voice just went way up. We have the fruit of the Spirit. That should be distinctly true of us as believers, as followers of Jesus. That, that we would speak evil of no one. <laughs> that we would be gentle. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Avoid quarreling. Are we to be pushovers? No. But we should avoid these things. And you know where it's the worst? Social media. Gosh. Like, we see it everywhere on social media, right? Like, we're bashing everybody on social media all the time. The world's watching that. They're seeing how you respond on there. You can't hide behind it. We can't hide behind that. We are to speak evil of no one. We are to avoid quarreling. We are to be gentle. In verse 8, show perfect courtesy. I'm sorry, uh, the last of verse um, 2. To show perfect courtesy to all people. Guys, in 2022, I honestly think this is the greatest apologetic we have as Christians. This is the greatest defense of our faith. Are we showing perfect courtesy to all people? An example of this. My son and I are at a pizza joint the other night in Murfreesboro. And this girl is making her pizza. And you can tell she's having like a terrible day. A terrible day. And she's just like, what do you want? What do you want? You know, just going through the motions. And I just looked at her and I'm like, hey, how's your day been? Have you had a good day? She's like, oh, it's been long. And I was like, oh, well, when do you get off? You know, and she's like, well, in a couple hours. Well, good. You know, you almost got it, you almost got it done. You know, I was like, I hope the rest of your day is great. And she just smiled. It was like her whole countenance changed. Did I do anything special? No. I was just courteous. I was just nice. I was showing kindness. Now, I heard a pastor say one time that the way he shares his faith with people is that he does the same thing every single day at the same time at the same place. He says, I go to get coffee, same time, same place, every day. I go to the gym, same time, same place, every day. Because you want to know why? Because I see the same people, same time, same place, every single day. My goal is to say, hey, how's your day been? Start a conversation. Just to be nice, to be kind, to care about their life. And over weeks and months, my ultimate goal is, can we have a spiritual conversation? Right? This is our greatest apologetic, just to be nice. How many people do you know that are non-believers that view Christians as unkind people? It's everywhere. We can't be that way. We cannot be that way. 
we are placed on this earth at this time, and we got to be kind. We have to be nice people. Paul is saying this here, to show perfect courtesy to all people. And finally, in verse 8, he says, devote yourselves to good works. Because God has done an incredible work in us, because we have experienced his grace and his mercy in our life, we should want to extend that to others as well. Right? So be submissive to rulers and authorities. Be obedient. Be ready for every good work. Speak evil of no one. Avoid quarreling. Be gentle. Show perfect courtesy to all people. Devote ourselves to good works. We could go on and on. Right? All throughout Scripture, we see something very similar to this. If you want further study, Philippians 3 talks about this. Romans 12 talks about this. Jesus talks about this in, in Matthew 5 with the Beatitudes and being salt and light here on earth. We could go on and on and on and on and on. But let's, let's land a plane here. Paul's message, let's summarize it to the Cretan believers, to Titus. Remember who you were. Remember what God did for you. And seek to do for others what God has already done for you by living your life in this manner. That's a summary of what Paul said. That's good advice for us today. Remember what God has done for you. Remember who you were before that. And seek to do those things for others as well. So let's, let's end on this question. Let's end on this question this morning. I'm going to ask you to, to ponder this question, to not listen to it and, like, forget it when you walk to your car, but to think about it this week, to talk about this question with your, your husband or your wife or uh, your parents or your small group or whoever. Think about this question. Pray about it. What opportunities do you have day in and day out to seek to do for others what God has done for you? I'll, I'll ask that again. What opportunities do you have day in and day out to seek to do for others what God has done for you? See, we're all, we, we're, we all have different spheres of influence. You're a teacher. You're with students every single day. I can't be there. Todd can't be there. Dr. Cox can't be in the schools. But you are. God's placed you there. How can you love those people? You're a banker. You're a nurse. You're a stay-at-home mom. You're a farmer. Fill in the blank. You have these spheres of influence where God has placed you. How do you live out your life in such a way that says, you know what, I remember what, where I was before Christ. I know what God did for me, and I want to extend that same thing to you. I want to extend that same grace and mercy to you. I want you to meet him. I want you to know him like I know him. What opportunities do you have day in and day out? When you start doing that, gosh, that's how you live as a citizen of heaven here on earth. Let's pray. Lord God, um, what an opportunity we have. You could have chosen um, to reach people a million different ways, yet you chose to use us. And God, for, for those of us in this room that are, uh, have placed our faith and trust in you, that have experienced your salvation, that have experienced your lordship in our life. Lord, you have called us, you have commanded us um, to share that with others as well. And so, Father, may we do that well. May we do that well. May we look at this, these verses that we read today and, and see these um, commands from Paul to Titus and, 
and, and begin to live those things out in our lives daily. God, you've given us all opportunities, different opportunities. Um, opportunities that to, to share this grace, to share this mercy. And so, Father, help us to, to be courageous and to step into it. Help us to be kind people that show perfect courtesy to others, that are ready for every good work. God, I think when we do those, God, we can resolve that tension of, of, of longing for heaven and knowing our citizenship is in heaven. But God, also knowing that we are a citizen here on earth and here in America. And God, we want to see our country changed. We want to see our country turn back to you. But God, it starts with us. So Father, let your spirit lead us and guide us. And uh, Lord, we will just be um, faithful to follow. Lord, I just pray all this in your name. Amen. stand and let's sing together. Thank you, God, for saving me. What can I give to you? What can I offer to
You can have a seat. Well, thanks, Matt, for sharing with us this morning. Appreciate you being here and sharing God's Word with us. Uh, let you know a couple of things before we leave. Uh, one, uh, offices closed tomorrow and uh, Wednesday night. We don't have any uh, outdoor worship. Holiday week, we're kind of quiet around here. But the next week, we got uh, several things going on. Uh, we're starting a grief care group on uh, Tuesday afternoon in the parlor uh, this is a six-week course. Uh, Tone Blanchard is leading that. Uh, you can speak to Bunny Woods if you have any questions about that. And uh, we'll be getting that going, and we're hoping folks can kind of commit to that six-week process. So if you've experienced loss recently or know someone, you might let them know about this opportunity to get together and kind of work through uh, grief and process and, and support one another. Uh, also, that Thursday, Senior Adult Lunch and Game Day, we're going to have some sandwiches and enjoy playing some games together in the parlor. And then Friday night, Night of Champions, we've invited several local football teams to be here as an outreach. The Hendon Hooker, UT uh, quarterback, is going to be here sharing. And uh, we have uh, some additional uh, tickets left. They're free, but you have to go online to Eventbrite. There's a, there's a long uh, uh, link here. <laughs> so uh, if you don't want to try to transcribe this into your browser, uh, you can go to Facebook. And uh, we should have an active live link that you can click on to get to the event uh, page. At the very least, you can copy and paste that into your browser. I'm going to go check and make sure that's working correctly. It went live this morning. So uh, you can uh, follow this link and you can get your ticket to the event. It's free Friday night, 630, uh, here hanging out with a bunch of football players and hearing from Hendon Hooker. And uh, we got the late baptism coming up as well. So if you're interested in, in being baptized, uh, let somebody on staff know. So also, as we conclude our worship, a way that you can worship is by giving your tithes and offerings. You can drop those in the, the boxes there in the back wall. And uh, I'm going to make my way to the uh, Welcome Center uh, for anybody who's a guest here and like to or find a way to a connection group. I'll be there uh, to hang out. So give me a few moments to make it to the crowd and I'll get there. But uh, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. God, we thank you for your provision in Christ to handle our problem of sin, God. And uh, I pray that uh, we would cling to your promise that we are co-heirs with you and that we have eternal life. And God, help our response to be to be obedient, be ready to, good, to do good to submit to our rulers, God, whatever it is that you would, however we need to respond to you, that we would do these things, God. And I pray that you would just open our eyes to the opportunities that we have. Scripture says, this, he says to, for us to make the most of the opportunities that we have. God, help us to be aware of the opportunities. Help us to be seeking those and then be ready for those, God. So go with us now as we try to live out your word. Thank you for the freedoms we have uh, in this country, thank you ultimately for the freedom we have in Christ to do good for your kingdom's sake and for your glory, God. 
So be with us now. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for Jesus. And it's his name we pray. Amen.